Hi everyone, Brett Stewart here. A quick announcement before we start this episode of Movie Ghoul Round. We've been trying out a new format for Netflix Roulette Weeks, trading out Netflix Roulette and trading in a new theme called Can We Just Talk About? And this theme is designed where all three of us put movies into a pot and then we randomly generate so it still has that element of randomness that Netflix Roulette always had, but we randomly pull something out of that pot and we watch it. And these are movies that all three of us have just been dying to talk about, or at least one of us anyway. So we're trying it out for the first time here. Let us know what you think. If you like it, if you don't like it, give us that feedback. Hi at moviegoroundpodcast.com. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Movie Ghoul Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is, can we just talk about... Hello, everybody, and welcome to Movie Ghoul Round. Again, that is because it is October. It is our third annual Movie Ghoul Round. I can't believe we've been doing this three times now, but it's our favorite time of the year here at Movie Go Round. Now, this week is a theme called, Can We Just Talk About? And I do want to introduce that theme very briefly, but first, I'll introduce my co-host, Nicole Davis. How are you? Smart enough to not drink a whole lot of alcohol the night before I go caving. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm never going caving. Uh, David well, Luzader, yeah. how are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing well. I'm smart enough to not um, or to at least tell somebody where I'm going before I go caving. But it can be a thing where we discover it together. You can oh. still tell somebody where you are. Yeah, Juno's <laughs> the worst. Okay, uh, <laughs> well, before we talk about this week's movie. I do want to note to the audience that we've talked about it here on the show before, and we've elicited your feedback on this before, but we messed around a lot with Netflix Roulette, and we ended up finding out that a lot of the picks we were getting were just kind of trash movies and not necessarily in the fun you did this to us way. So we started energizing different ways to do something different with that week. And that's where Can We Just Talk About has come around. And I suspect you'll see more of this in the future. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Let us know if you like it. <laughs> because what we did this time for Movie Ghoul Round is we each picked two movies that are horror, haunted, spooky, what have you. And we spun a wheel and it picked one of those six movies. So this was this ended up being my pick, actually. Uh, the Descent 2005 is one of the two that I put in, and it won the wheel. A caving expedition goes horribly wrong as the explorers become trapped and ultimately pursued by a strange breed of predators. Now, Nicole, you'd seen this before, correct? Yes, I had. So I've seen... Um, I've, I'd seen the uh, British ending before there are two endings to this movie there's the yeah. ending that we got in the u.s which is the version that's on amazon prime and there's another ending that's the uh uk and worldwide ending and which i think is better but <laughs> yes eh, they yeah, each we'll have absolutely their points get into that for sure um but but chances are if you're watching this on prime like we did uh, or probably most rentals, honestly. Unless you're in the UK, you're probably getting the American ending. But you'll quickly know what that is when we talk about it. David, you had not seen this before. David Luzader, everyone. That's correct. This was new for me. I uh, remember when it was coming out. And then it's come up in talks of horror movies um, quite a bit. But it was one that I was like, huh. That's not my genre of films. Thank you very much. And so up until now, just generally avoided it, which wasn't very hard. Nobody ever tried to make me see this movie. Um, so it's yeah. not like I was, you know, I was like, people were sitting me down or I was going into movie theaters thinking I was seeing one thing and this was turning on and I had to sprint out of the theater for dear life. <laughs> no, you said it was just... Pinocchio, damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's all worked out. Yeah. So, uh, I picked this for Can We Just Talk About because I last saw this movie in college 
introduced to it by a friend of the show, Dominic Chikoki. He's been a previous guest, and he's a big horror buff. And and I remember him just explaining to me that it would prey on all of my fears of claustrophobia in the dark. Um, the former of which I definitely feel. I, I if you're afraid, if you're afraid of either of those things, you're not. This movie's not going to bode particularly well for you. But certainly claustrophobia. I mean, for a movie that is about splunking and is shot on a soundstage, they did a pretty remarkable job making it seem not only fairly realistic inside the cave, but the close quarters of it all. Like there's so much in this movie before you even get to the, the monsters, right? Uh, that is on its own quite scary. Um, and I think that's actually probably a good discussion topic first. Nicole, you mentioned like, are the monsters even necessary? And I was watching this with my fiance and we're 35 minutes in or so. And she asks me, she's like, is there even anything in this cave? Cause like, this is already making me really anxious. <laughs> Yeah, the monster doesn't show up and, you know, until, yeah, like 45 minutes in, uh, somewhere around there. And it's so, such a good reveal, though. It, and they know, don't even get in the cave until like 24 minutes yeah, in. That's when they really start surprised. messing with claustrophobia. I was really yeah. surprised how long it took for them to get into the cave. Um, and I will I will say also, this movie took like a turn when the once the monsters showed up. I was like, oh, it's this kind of film. Like, I knew there was like a creature, but I thought it was... I thought it was always going to be more at the edges. I didn't realize like once the monsters introduced, it's just like them V monster. The famous. Court right. Case. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. Because when we do see these little glimpses of the monster early on, like we see these like Gollum type shots in like the back of a cave where you see this like glistening, creepy pale body in the dark. And, and then you finally get the reveal on the night vision camera. Um, this was, again, 2006, back when shooting with night vision cameras was all the rage in terms of, like, making horror movies. Uh, and it, it's it's a great reveal, though. I, I just, I really, it really got my fiancé, and it got me, having not remembered it. But uh, I don't, I, I think they're necessary. I think the question is whether or not they're, they become a focal point, as David mentioned. Or can they just be this lurking threat with the omnipresent threat of the cave being the main issue well i thought i thought this movie i thought what they were gonna do was like they're gonna play up is there a creature or is there just like insanity going on like as they're getting picked off is there going to be a question is like is one of them snapping in their like in their claustrophobia and fear and like people are now getting killed and that, that was like infinitely more interesting to me than like when it was just like, and now monsters, not to say like the monsters aren't effective in, in some ways. Um, but I really expected because one of the like trivia bits that showed up on Amazon prime was like the title is about them going into a cave, but also their own descents into madness. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, that was wolf. But I wouldn't also really say <laughs> they ever really descend into madness. No, they they descend into sort of a more you know primitive animalistic sides of themselves. But um, I I don't think they descend into madness. The only person who seems to hear and see things that aren't there is Sarah. And even then, it's in like dream sequences. Well, no, she hears her her daughter giggling that's, that's a right, bunch yeah. in the cave. So, yeah, so. Uh, it would have been an interesting. I'm not going to say it would have been better because I mean this movie is very good, um, but I think it would have been really interesting if it were more that sort of thing, where like each one of them sort of has their own hallucinations and their own um, things that they're wrestling with in the cave, and yet they still have to figure out how to work together so they can find their way out. Even if they're all seeing different stuff, that would have been an interesting sort of challenge. But, yeah, you know, and, and that might have given us a little more characterization, which we don't get a lot of in this movie. No, that was something I forgot to put this in the doc. Um, 
but the beginning of the film, it's like, all right, here's our here's our three main characters. Did you learn their names? Nope. Well, here's four more characters. Let's play. <laughs> and at least three of them kind of look alike. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and let's and let's play. Guess which one's gonna die first? Uh, yeah. It's the alt one, the one that's got short, kind of spiky hair, because right. it's the early two thousands and being different is a death sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that should have been this movie's tagline. Um, yeah, and you put that in our docket, David. You know, this movie is very 2000s. And, like, all the trappings of of just, like, horror tropes in the mid-aughts are, is, are absolutely here. Um, particularly when it turns into that, like, full-on slasher, like, you know, halfway in, into the movie. Um, it's, it's, it's a relic of its time, but also, I think, holds up very well. Um, that's something that surprised me was that like the, like, like I said, the set, like the soundstage design, remarkable, um, mm-hmm. the lighting and, and the way it's all, you know, the, I mean, the cinematography is fantastic. We'll get into that momentarily, but even just the monsters, the monster makeup and design is very cool and really well done. And it's kind of this weird mixture of like goblins and golem, and you don't really know what's going on there. And the only thing that is a little odd is their weird fast forward scramble whenever they're running yeah. and then like it's. It's very clear it was a dude walking on all fours, and then they just sped the camera up <laughs> um, right. in editing, and that looks a little weird. But that aside, like stuff holds up pretty darn well in this movie. Yeah, the makeup's really pretty seamless um, and well done, and it's got this sort of translucence to it, like yeah. skin would be if you'd been living in the dark your whole life and you know had evolved that way you know the way a lot of cave species become sort of bleached um because they don't need protective coloration of any kind um so yeah i mean i i i think it does hold up really well other than other than scramble like you said the scramble yeah but the sets are really it's incredible to think that these are all sound stages with like wood and foam and plaster all painted to look like stone mm-hmm. and it it looks fantastic you know i cannot see the seams in the sets oh yeah the from a from a filmmaking standpoint they did a, a phenomenal job and a lot of that is in the way that the shots are set up and like their lighting like the the lighting of like different color lighting choices but also mm-hmm. Just the way that like everything is very purposefully, which I know is true for all movies, but like very purposefully <laughs> lit in ways to like emphasize the cave feeling of mm-hmm. uh, of it all. And like there's that shot towards the end when she's like climbing up the pile of bones, but there's just that right. like perfect kind of stream of light down on her. Um, that like honestly, that was probably my favorite part of the movie was just like how well all of that was done. Yeah, and there's the iconic shot in this film, which is when she, you know, falls in and then emerges out of the pool of blood, uh, and it just oh yeah, it's very gets, apocalypse now. Yes, kind of. oh, 100 percent, and just <laughs> yeah. you know gets every venereal disease known to man, <laughs> and uh, so I don't know how long Sarah's making it out out of this, um, but that that scene is is so much even more stressful than I remembered it because you have the the cave zombie woman that chases her into the wa- into the blood the blood pool mm-hmm. and she's got to fight with her get out of the blood pool find a weapon fight another dude like it's, there's a lot going on in that minute and a half and it's the most anxiety inducing scene of the movie with the exception of a completely non-horror scene for me which is when in the very beginning they're crawling through one of the passages and, and rocks Sarah gets shift stuck. <laughs> Just listen to my voice, Dad. Sarah, I'm coming, I'm coming back. Okay? Okay. Sarah, okay? Listen to me, keep breathing. Okay? Hey. Yeah. Uh, no. Sucks. Caves are a oh. big no. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I I'm not claustrophobic by nature. 
Um, I thought I would get a, like an artificially induced, really awful case of claustrophobia the one time I went in an MRI machine because those things are super tiny and nobody tells you that. Um, it's quite like being in a coffin with very loud noises all around you for a while. Um, but I, I don't have trouble with watching this movie in terms of claustrophobia, except Same. for when Sarah gets stuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, that, that. And starts freaking out as me. any of us would. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand the appeal of like, I'm going to fit through this passage that is barely bigger than my body. Right. Yeah. That's, that seems like, I don't know. I don't know enough about spelunking or caving or whatever you want to call it um, to know if that's common practice or not, or if that's something that people who do this all the time would say, wow, that's a colossally stupid thing to do. If the passage is that small, then you need to find another way around. No, I think that's pretty standard. (laughs) Yeah, it's, there's a lot of tight, you're fitting through a lot of tight spaces doing that if you're on the more extreme end of it. Like there's, there's actually right. some caverns not too far from where I live in Austin that, um, you can take cave tours of, except there's, there's a version of one of these tours that quite literally says you're going to fit through incredibly narrow passages. Here's the, the weight and height limit. Make sure you're not this wide. <laughs> you might not be right. fitting through some of these slots and, you know, I mean, and that and that's a tourist attraction. Like that's untrained people just going in there with a guide. Um, I will never do that. So you will not yeah. find me at, at the like mystical caverns, Austin or whatever it's called. Uh, but I think they handle the cinematography really well within that because there's a lot of movies where you get really up close and personal like that, which the majority of this movie is. And it purposely does that because when you do have large shots, when they show the cave paintings, when they show the one of the big large caverns with their flares, you get that really grandiose feel from it. It really expands the scope of the, of the movie all of a sudden really massively mm-hmm. because the rest of it's all really close quarters and you're just a foot away from everything happening on the screen. They handle it really well. I don't feel like I'm watching a bunch of like flailing body parts going across the camera. I feel like I can focus on what's happening most of the time. I feel like they use the camcorder to sparse effect, which is good because the last thing we want in this movie is looking at a bunch of found footage through a camcorder. I thought thought that's what a lot of this movie was going to be when they showed a camcorder. Yeah, I know. And but they'll, they'll use that camcorder in The Descent 2, which uh is not not a great film. We could talk about that later. Um but yeah, so it's it's I think they just handle it remarkably well. I'm trying to think of other movies that handle close quarters as well as this does, and this is amongst the top of the list for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm yeah, trying to I think. Mean, I don't know. I think there's like maybe one or two scenes where there's like a mystery light source, you know, where it's lit just enough to see, but you're not quite yeah. sure from where. Um, but mostly they're very good about showing, you know, directed light source. Like you've either got the headlamps or flares or glow sticks or an actual torch. And then for some reason, there's that one scene where the flares a different color. For some reason, she's had purely yeah. red flares up until now, but right before like all the creatures attack them, she finds a like a white one or a yellowish one that looks more like ordinary daylight. They, we want to show you what these things look like already. Right. <laughs> you really so want to get a good cool, look? Though. Here you go. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the monsters because... Um, there's lots of theories online as to what the monsters are, and the movie kind of leaves it up to your interpretation. We do know that this is a passage. Um, this is a cave passage that's not mapped, at least not known in modern times in the movie. And that's why Juno leads them into it, we later find out, because she wants them to discover it together. Uh, <laughs> which means that the rescue crews don't know where they are, because whenever you do an expedition like this, you're supposed to tell people where you're going. Yes. Uh, she does not do that, we learn. But in well, any case... It turns oh, out that because she's not the one who filed the plan with search right. and rescue she service, lied. she lied right. to the friend who went to do it. So the friend did it on good faith. Exactly. Uh, the 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 I was about to say the British one, but I realized this is a British movie. They're all British. She just has the most distinct accent. Um, 
but yes, yeah, so we 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 get introduced to these zombie-like cave dwellers, and it's a to me. I always thought that they might be to a degree people who got stuck down there because we do see like old equipment down there. We see old mining hats and 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 equipment that's like they say in the movie a hundred years old and. Um, hmm. So part of me wondered, like, did this start off because, like, people got stuck down there? But, like, they have quite their own little society down there, we learned by the end of the movie. There's quite a lot of them. Um, yeah. And their features can... are too far off of human to have been just the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, there's that. Um, and then the other thing, the movie, I noticed, I, I, don't, I don't know if I remember this from the first time I saw it, but when Holly dies, our our alt-rock um Spiky-haired Irish one, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, when she dies, her eyes turn green, and it kind of alludes to them being able to zombify you in a way, and like turn you into what? one of them. No, I mean I her eyes so. turn green. No, they just focus yeah, they on her I'm eyes to the... show that her pupil becomes fixed, that she's dead. No, no, look at the look at our slack right here, and I'll put this in a <laughs> no. I'll put this in the show notes. They turn like full green. No, it's her. They're showing her eyes like. I think that's just her color of eyes, and like they're oh really? Yeah. They just showed like they showed her eye dilating to show she was still alive. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe I just oh didn't... to show that she was actually still alive. Okay, Not that's good. interesting. Okay, yeah, because it's it's maybe she just has really green eyes. And okay, that the Ooh, so that makes it even worse. There. They're dragging you to the to the bone pile before you're actually a hundred percent dead. Oh, they're which eating is it. how they Beth gets the... there. It's one of the girls towards the end. Uh, one of the one of them is like getting eaten alive. Yeah, that's, yeah. You're telling that's, me you just uh, leave all Becca. of your groceries out on the Becca, counter. Yeah. You don't put some in the fridge for later. <laughs> well, I don't think well, they there's have no a, fridge in a cave. Yeah, there's no. No, there's but no there's like there's system. like a there's an eaten room by the looks of it though. Oh yeah, <laughs> so. there's the uneaten room and there's the eaten room. <laughs> right. I had, I had a small problem with the monsters because they're like they can. Uh, like they can't see because they've evolved down in the cave, so they don't have. Okay, fine, whatever. But they're like they hunt by sounds. So they have like really great hearing, mm. but no smell. Like they didn't develop any oh, sort of yeah. sense of smell because they're constantly like right up on them. Uh, yeah. Like sometimes like touching them, and they they like don't apparently know what human flesh feels like, even though they eat it. Uh, but it's like. <laughs> Like but they don't have like the the only sense they use at all is hearing. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. This is me. This is me thinking <laughs> a little bit. No, right. yeah, no, yeah. You're, you're. I hear you on that. I mean, it's the I, I the I can't remember quite if the Descent Two tries to explain the monsters more. Um, mm-hmm. For those unfamiliar, the Descent Two is you know made years later by. Someone who was, I can't remember what exactly what it was, but it was like someone who was related, maybe it was a writer on the original movie, mm. ends From up the becoming the director. Of. Yeah, yeah it's one of those Neil things. Neil Marshall in any case. <laughs> it's one of those things. And I read an interview with the director where, where you know, Marshall was, was actually saying he, he actually didn't see it for the longest time. He just had zero involvement in it. Um, but it, it, it picks up right after the movie, uh, the American ending, where... Um, you know, she goes to these people and says, Hey, zombie cave dwellers ate all my friends. And then the people predictably are like, No, you're crazy. So she has to go back and show them she's not crazy. <laughs> so she goes literally right back into the caves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember a ton about it, but I don't remember if they get more into the cave people. My assumption is they probably don't. I don't know. But. I suppose you could paper it over by just saying, you know, they've been in the caves all day. They've been rubbing against the walls and jumping into water and, you know, getting all sorts of smudge on sure. them. They probably just smell mostly like cave. <laughs> <laughs> smell like cave. You know, that cave smell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. to cave, you know, pick it up at from 50 bucks at the perfume counter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I do remember... <laughs> Uh, they show them a little bit more in the second movie and they have some more distinct features and they look a little bit different in that movie because they kind of went a little bit too far with the makeup and so it doesn't look as good. Um, 
And there are lots of parts of that movie where it's literally them searching through the cave and then coming across this from the first movie and then coming across the camcorder and watching the footage from the first movie. It's one of those things. You don't need to see it. We had had to pad the time. So we just put 20 minutes of the first movie in here. 100 uh, percent what isn't is that like silent night deadly night 2 that i was just that? about to say what is the garbage day movie i yeah. literally just googled garbage day where they literally um, just reuse 20 minutes of footage from the first movie <laughs> oh at least for those unfamiliar silent night deadly night 2 um has the garbage day scene which in itself is worth a watch for the movie just google garbage day but uh, also, you're right. Like it, it's the, the whole beginning of the movie is just the guy getting interrogated and telling you the beginning of the first movie. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but this movie, I think, you know, it, it holds up really well, and I'm, I, I really enjoy coming back to it. Let's talk a little bit though about Juno. Juno is our antagonist? Question mark. I mean, I wouldn't be friends with her, but also, you mentioned Nicole at this time around. You didn't think Juno's that bad. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, she does, she does some terrible things. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to excuse that. But she's also, like, the leader. She's the one who keeps them going. She's the one who risks herself to set the line for them to cross that first chasm. Um, You know, she's always putting herself. Well, yes, but I mean, she's putting herself out front. She's not hanging back at any point she's fighting off the cave dwellers i think they call them crawlers um yeah crawlers in a lot of references and she is kicking some serious ass you know she is holding her own against Mm -hmm. these things when she's at least when she's one-on-one with them and actually like two-on-one she holds her own yeah so you know that is something i really really like about this movie is that there's never any um question about the physical strength of the people in the group even though you know even though they're all women and this is you know they're all shown to be very physically capable Mm-hmm. And for the most part, you know, really hold themselves together emotionally as they're going through this. They're like, okay, this is horrible. I hate it. But okay, yes, you're right. We have to go here. Let's, you know, take a deep breath and we'll go. Mm-hmm. And it's only here and there that people, when the when they let that panic seep through, that they get into trouble. So, yeah. Which brings me to why, there, why Beth... Not she didn't deserve what happened to her. No, but Beth Beth also was dumb Um, because (laughs) this movie like plays up. So Juno kills Beth. Well, Juno doesn't kill Beth. Juno mortally wounds Beth. Sarah leaves her to die completely by accident. (laughs) Yes, because she because Juno had just had to fight two of these things, and then uh, Beth is like, you know, it'd be a good idea not announcing myself and uh, just grabbing her by the shoulder. So Juno swerves around and like sticks her in the neck and it sucks. It's not great for anybody. Um, no. But then, <laughs> then when Sarah finds her later, she's like, you gotta be aware of Juno. It's like, nah, man, Juno, <laughs> Juno <laughs> is like defending herself out here. You're the one who's just like walking around sneaking around these caves scaring your friends yeah i thought it was a i had remembered it as being a little more ambiguous as to Mm -hmm. what happened but it's like literally she had just sunk the death blow on a second one of the creatures when beth like grabs her shoulder yeah so she's completely yeah she's completely jacked on adrenaline at that point so she just whips around at, with her you know axe at neck level unfortunately and yeah. uh takes takes beth through the back of the neck and like out the side it's real it's gruesome it, it's pretty gross and like it sucks <laughs> that she leaves her there um but juno's yeah obviously that's very, the really awful part <laughs> she's obviously very traumatized by all of the, what's just happened yeah mm. yeah i mean that is also something that's why i say you know maybe she's Juno's not that awful because she's just clearly overwhelmed mm-hmm. by what's happening. You know, they're all separated. The creatures have scattered all the women. Um, 
They're all separated. Juno's just fought for her life, totally killed Beth completely by accident. And there's no way, you know, that she can, like, take Beth to safety. Beth's not going to survive this, no matter what she does. Even if they had, like, a squad of EMTs on hand, Beth wouldn't have survived this. And, um, and she's freaked out, and she thinks the creatures could come back any second. And she leaves, and she leaves Beth there. And it's awful, and she should have stayed, but I, I kind of get it, you know? It's, a, it's an understandably human reaction. Yeah, no, I yeah. I agree. No, but, I, I hear that. I my issue with with Juno is is uh, uh, cheating on cheating yeah, with your you, with your best friend's husband. Um, which, by the way, I was kind of bummed, and I think I must have just missed this last time I saw it in college. But uh, I was kind of bummed they just wink and nod to that in the first minute of the movie. Um, like I had totally forgotten about that plot line and immediately was like, Oh yeah, they're cheating. Oh, it's so obvious. And and I kind of wish they wouldn't do that because I think the reveal of, of, of Sarah finding the necklace would be a lot more, would be a lot cooler if, and, and and more powerful if that hadn't been quite as obvious. Well, there's also Um, the line, we all lost something out of that accident. Right, right. Like, (laughs) come on. Oh my God. So, but yeah, this woman literally lost her husband and her young daughter, and you're going to complain about what you lost lost in the accident. I did, you know, no, just no, no, yeah. She, (laughs) but then, but then also, I mean, aside, I mean, well, shortly after this accident, she then not only was cheating with the husband, but then abandons the best friend in the time of need. Like, it's very clear that all these other women were, like, there for her or tried to be there for her there. And, like, Juno just, you know, went AWOL because she knew it was up with the husband and couldn't deal with that. So she leaves Sarah to deal with all the trauma by herself. They they were all there except for the one that had midterms. (laughs) Right? But she wrote a letter. She wrote a very nice letter. Yeah. I heard that, like, each of the women wrote like backstories for themselves so that they because the script doesn't give them a lot no, to no. flesh out their characters so they all sort of wrote backstories for themselves and from what i understand is like juno was you know having an affair with the husband and like the husband if i don't know if you remember at the beginning of the movie but like he seems kind of disgruntled and mm-hmm. out of yeah. sorts at the beginning and uh, the rumor has it that like he's going to um, tell Sarah soon mm-hmm. and like leave her for Juno, um, or at least confess the affair, and th- they would have to talk about it. Um, but you know, Ju- Juno's in mourning. She was in love with this guy. She was in love with him enough to have an affair with him, even though Sarah was a close friend. So I can. You know, he just died. I can get why she might not want to stick around to comfort the the widow right, right. in this situation. It doesn't look good, but, you know, she no. just wasn't able to, to deal with it. No. I do think, though, the final reveal of, of uh, Sarah leaving leaving her to die, and and, and we're going to close in here on the, the ending differences, but it's it's kind of a badass reveal. The, 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 the wordless... Uh, you know, nod to the the necklace, and right. then just capping her right in the knee, and then and getting out of there. Pretty great. <sighs> See, I, and I don't. Maybe it's just I didn't love that. No, I, I didn't. I mean, it was just. It's kind of midsomar. Yeah, it's so horrible it's to like, do. Juno's to her. not a great person, but that's an awful thing to do to her. She's gonna get. It is a horrific alive. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. She I brought was, them down there, though, was cheating with the husband, and her kid is look, dead. I'm not, I'm not gonna say her kid's dead because of Juno. But, uh, yeah. No, no, look, no, so, no. It is. It is brutal. It is absolutely brutal. Yeah. But at the point at which Sarah goes like full like Conan the Barbarian, and it's just like <laughs> covered in blood and just like kicking ass, and like when she yeah. shows up and finds Juno at the end of the movie, Juno is all like scared and like looking around the caves, and Sarah's like, "No, I've mastered these caves. I know <laughs> right. these caves now." And she's just like wandering around with a torch. 
Like yeah. she's gone full. She's off the deep end. And oh yeah, torch Tyler, in one hand, axe in the other, covered in blood from head to toe. Right. <laughs> Just the quivering anger lip whenever she talks to Juno, and and Juno lies to her. You know, Juno does lie to her about Beth. Yeah. You know, she asks, "Did you see Beth die?" Oh yeah, Sarah's testing her to see if yeah. she'll lie or tell her the truth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, always tell the truth, you know. <laughs> Yeah, in this situation, Always tell the truth. you don't want to get caught out in this particular situation. Right. No, this is no, not no. the time to lie. This is where so, you say, you know, I had just killed one of those things and Beth right. tapped me on the shoulder without saying right. anything. And I whipped around. I, and was, I, I was scared. I was scared. I caught her through the neck. I'm so sorry. You know, that's all she had to say. But, Glad I got that up my chest. Let's go get some, <laughs> so get some milkshakes, huh? Right, right. The, the weird warning from Beth aside, though, I, I do think it is a genuinely heartbreaking scene. I think it's well acted. It's, I mean, yeah. we haven't talked about the acting in particular, but I think the acting is, is very strong in this movie from, you know, a bunch of actresses that are not like necessarily household name actors. I, you know, I, I, at I don't know. At least not in the US. Well, that's at least not in the US. Um, and, so they're and they, they're credit, great. I think. I think like with movies yeah. like this, I always prefer it when I don't really know the people. Oh, for sure. You know, no, I, I, but I think they do really well. And I think then that scene where she has to finish off her friend, it's, <sighs> it's oh, brutal. God finish her yeah <laughs> yeah the mortal combat undertones <laughs> yes uh now what is even darker is uh british sensibilities and how they're totally okay with a much sadder ending but they didn't think it'd be palatable with american audiences or at least that's what american test audiences told them about this movie so on the uk version of this movie spoilers uh, which is everybody the, yeah spoilers <laughs> at this point which is the director's preferred and original cut. Uh, we get an extra couple minutes of the movie when Sarah escapes and she uh, is driving down the road. We find out that in reality, she is having another one of her, um, not, I guess nightmares, really. She's having another one of her nightmares and wakes up and realizes she's still in the cave and she has yeah. not escaped and they are closing in on her. So, you know, it's a difference of Sarah's life in the two well, cuts. It's a very different ending. But she also has a hallucination of her daughter, mm-hmm. like sitting in front of her birthday cake. Right. Which we've which seen repeatedly earlier in the movie. Earlier in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so, yeah. you know, she gets to have this last vision of her daughter. So, I mean, it's it's bittersweet, but is that really... Is that really worse that she's, she gets this last vision of her daughter before she dies? Or is it worse that she's got to live with her husband, her daughter, every one of her friends, including <laughs> her best friend, dead mm-hmm. after this incredibly traumatic, terrifying experience? Right. She is. The, uh, we did a Halloween on this and like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, character lived through a thing that made her like a hermit you know survivalist hermit understandably now this is going to be that times about a thousand yeah yeah like if she's sarah's gonna be a mess right she's just gonna like be be withdrawn and like oh yeah it's not it it, neither ending i think is happy for for no no No, uh, I mean, I mean, in the, in the sequel, she goes back in like a week later, uh, which is just bonkers. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily feel particular. I know a lot of people feel strongly that the UK version is better. And at least based on, so at least based purely on the, the vision of the director and my dislike for seeing creatives work altered for test audiences. Um, I am inclined to appreciate the British ending more with that said, I don't know if it's that much of a better or worse movie with either ending. I didn't think, I mean, I watched it on, on YouTube and it's like an extra minute 30. I was like, Oh, okay. It's just like two scenes. Okay. I, I see what they did there. But it didn't, it didn't feel to me like, oh, man, that was the ending. It's like, oh, okay, that was different. Yeah. It feels it less abrupt. Yeah, it, do, it doesn't cast a, a new light on the whole thing right, yeah, at the exactly. end. You know, it's not the ending of The Sixth Sense that's been chopped off and 
you you look at that and say, oh, wow, that really changes the whole tone of the movie, doesn't it? You know, when you go back and look at it. It's right. it's pretty much the same movie from beginning to almost the end this way. Yeah. And and they, think, it also, like, the the English or the American English, <laughs> um, but both in English, as far as I know. Uh, I don't think the, the UK version is in Spanish. But anyway, the, the American ending is still part of the ending. They just like cut it a little bit earlier, so it's like it's not right. like they shot a whole new thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I I do think that if we want to talk about how, I someone made a comment earlier about what could have been more effective. I believe it was you, Nicole, was exploring more of the demons that people are facing once they're down in the cave, and like we get some foreshadowing to that. You know, one of the one of the women is talking all about. When they're climbing down and in, she's giving them a laundry list of horrible things that could happen to them if they don't right. take it seriously. And it kind of foreshadows a little bit of it. Um, and well, it, it includes hallucinations. It does, there. right. Cave and, and, madness. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and like, I think that, you know, if you want to talk about the descent of their minds, and then the British ending so much better because it, it, it has that, you know, her final breaking <laughs> at the yeah. end of the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I feel strongly about one or the other. It always reminds me, whenever I see this, my favorite example of this is, you know, Nick Lowe, the guy who wrote Cruel to Be Kind. Um, when he put out that record in the UK, it was called Jesus of Cool. And then when it came here to the US, it was called Pure Pop for Now People, because you weren't allowed to call yourself Jesus, uh, with an American audience. That would, you couldn't be the Jesus of Cool. Um, he is the Jesus of cool though. But in any case, uh, yeah, we, we take, we, we're real testy with our test audiences. I don't know what that is about American audiences that feels the need that to, to, to sanit, not necessarily sanitize, but like, I, I don't know what it is about us that makes this ending better for American audiences. I don't know. I think there's, just, I think there's one or two instances where changing it because of the test audience was actually to the benefit. Mm-hmm. of the movie mm-hmm. but I, d- I do think as a general rule it's you you change something about the tone and certainly the director's intent by forcing a change to the end of a film one way or another either through shooting something else or through editing yeah it, when when studio notes and test audiences and stuff make the movie better you like almost never hear about it like this kind of stuff like happens like in the background and then stuff yeah. will happen where it makes it worse and they make a big <laughs> deal out of it, which I is understandable. And right. then they spend like $60 million on it for Zack Snyder. Uh, and, and I actually want to mention that because I think that when we start talking about like the alternate ending or the real ending and what the director's intent was, I feel like and this is kind of a meta film conversation, but I feel like that has become more prominent in recent years because of stuff like Justice League, because we do have these big prominent projects that people are passionate about where they want to see alternate cuts of them. They know that things were messed with by studios. Um, even the Suicide Squad, which, you know, I'm sure we'll have on the show someday. That is one where people are now clamoring for the air cut of that movie. And exist. he doesn't want to give it, but it's just like, it's one of those things where directors, I feel like as a, as a film consuming culture, because of these big movies, we are, more cued into the fact that this process is not clean and that creatives don't come out of it always successful with what they were what wanted to get out of it. Well, I think a lot of that started with like streaming and I, a lot of it started with like, especially the Irishman when <laughs> Netflix was like, don't worry, Scorsese, do whatever you want. Three and a half hours. Great. Uh, and like, that's now, you know, I think it's, stuff just goes straight to streaming. You don't have to worry about box office success as much. Like now I think that conversation is a lot more at the forefront because in the rare cases, like the Richard Donner cut of Superman two, uh, where that actually like drastically changes the film and that came out on like DVD and, but still it came out on DVD. Like they didn't re-release it into theaters. Yeah. This whole, like the whole direct release to audience has changed that whole conversation. I think. Right. Yeah, and we've also been arguing about whether or not, you know, um, oh God, I totally just forgot what it is. It's the, uh, is it the unicorn? No, the origami unicorn. What is it the end of Blade Runner that we've been arguing about for 40 years? Yeah, it's the origami unicorn, unicorn. you're right. 
Okay, yeah. So I mean, there are you know that that is one where you know, some minor edits out of one of the you know seventeen thousand cuts of that movie can change your perception of what happens. And certainly, him driving off into the sunset is pretty definitive versus another. Um, so we've had it before. I just think that we're talking about it on Twitter, which is unique. And I think that things like like Justice League make that happen. Yeah, like I don't think we I don't think we need Justice League the a re-edit or additional stuff. But, you know, sometimes it's to the benefit. Like I I believe that the Alien 3 assembly edit is much better than the theatrical release. Well, um just because wasn't there's very like hard a, for Alien 3. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I I'm not one who thought that it was horrible, you know, when I said depressing, yes, but bad movie, no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's like a whole a plot thread that gets hacked out and the movie makes a lot less sense without it. Um, mm-hmm. But this, yeah, this is just like t- a tweaking, you know, as what it amounts to. But I still, I still like the, the international ending better just because number one, it's what the director wanted. Mm-hmm. And number two, it, you know, it calls back to this motif that's, you know, been recurring throughout the movie right, of her, they've been her daughter. That up. Right. And without it, it's just like, what was, what was the point of that? What was the point of hearing the giggling and her, Sarah following it all the time to her detriment, you know, almost always getting into trouble because of it. Right. Um, so. Giggling in a cave. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this this is this this movie is just one big sack of hell. Hell no. Like I just <laughs> that's how I feel the entire time I'm watching this movie. And like that's this movie is like I am I have talked on the show about how I am I am incredibly desensitized to horror. I grew up on the internet. I have seen both like real and fake horror to a massive degree, like every other millennial. And not a lot of horror movies scare me. I love them. I'm, I think they're really fun, but they don't bother me. This movie bothers me. And I think it's the <laughs> cave. I think it's the cave. I'm no more caves. No more caves. Is it just um, too close to something that could happen? Like if you ever went exploring in a cave, something could go yeah. terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's, just, it's, it's, it's so claustrophobic and, and I can't imagine crawling through those tight spaces. So I think that's a huge part of it. And imagining um, the tons and tons of rock overhead that could just fall and crush you in an mm-hmm. instant. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 No. So I mean, I mean, unless I'm going to be, you know, guided gracefully by Werner Herzog talking about paintings, I want nothing to do with caves. <laughs> Um, absolutely no way. Uh, but also there's a myriad of ways sentimentality is life-threatening in this movie. And I, I kind of chuckled at that, Nicole, because there, there's a couple of them. Oh, there's a bunch. I mean, number one, yeah. you know, drinking a ton the day before you leave, just because you're like, you're hanging with friends and we're having a fun time. So let's mm-hmm. stay up and stay up really late. So we get almost no sleep and let's drink a whole lot. So we're dehydrated to start with. And, you know, that's not great. Um, the uh, Juno wears the pendant that Paul, the man she cheated with and was the husband of one of the people coming with her. She wears it into the cave. Also, hold on, <laughs> number wanna, one, I, it's dumb because you could lose it. Yeah, but also, number wanna, two, uh, flip it over and here's this thing that the husband used to yes, say all that, the time, which is a du- also a dumb phrase. Love every day. What does that even mean? And then he's, he's I'm going to get that for you on a feather pendant. <laughs> Wait, does that it, mean does it that say you love every day? Is that it what it says is? Love yeah. every day. Or no, love each day. Oh, love each. Oh, yes. Oh, sorry. Never but mind. does that sure. mean that you you're supposed to love every day that's given to you, or that you're supposed to like give love each, to people yeah, each every day, day? You feel love. Or uh, yeah, hopefully you get love. It's wishing that you get love every day. Or sure. it, you know, it means everything and nothing simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that. Yeah. There's uh, Sam, the little, the little cute one with the, with the Heidi braids. Um, mm-hmm. Is uh, she wears that watch that her boyfriend got her. That's impossible to program. And the alarm goes off at the worst possible time. Of course it does. Chekhov's uh, watch. Chekhov's watch. Yep. There was uh, Juno wanting to 
uh, discover a new cave and wanting that to be like a, a joint experience that she could have with all her friends. I wanted us to discover it. Yay. You've doomed us all. Right. <laughs> um, oh gosh, let's see. Um, Juno fights the creatures for Holly's body, like after Holly's been fatally injured, uh, which causes like two of them to attack her. Uh, and what else? <laughs> how else can sentimentality get you killed? How, yeah, how That's else pretty much it. <laughs> ruin their lives? Yeah, yeah. So but, yeah, you're not you're not wrong. Those were not the times <laughs> to going on a spelunking trip is not the time to like make sure I have all my cherished heirlooms with me. Right. You're right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I I got nothing on that one. It's it's. It's one of those movies where I don't even know how well it's written. It's one of those movies like it's effective. And I'm going to explain this in terms of Ted Lasso because I was saying this to you guys in the pre-show. You love Ted Lasso because of how Ted Lasso makes you feel. Not because there's anything super interesting happening in Ted Lasso because there's actually not. Um, and I feel that way about this movie in a horror sense. Um, I don't, know if you know you mentioned the characterization or lack thereof there's not a lot of it um there's not a lot of depth to this movie uh except the two miles that they think they're underground two miles that's how far they think they're underground that's really far underground they're not two miles underground an exaggeration (laughs) yes um, although i did take note that time where they cross the chasm successfully becca drops a rock off the edge mm. so i immediately started counting you know one one thousand two one thousand i got to five one thousand and i went to the internet and i'm like quick calculate this for me that's <laughs> 400 feet before that rock Ooh. hits anything <laughs> yeah, big yikes big yikes but but, yeah. but anyway i think this this is this is a movie that makes you feel a very particular way and and you're especially susceptible to it if you don't if you're claustrophobic if you're afraid of the dark if you don't like you know um just that kind of space and and i think that's the i i think about this movie and how it makes me feel more than mm. i think about any particular scenes or particular character beats and and, yeah. and i can't think of a ton of movies like that but i just this movie i associate with a feeling just feeling cramped and uncomfortable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i could see a lot of this movie having been written like in reaction to what what they were having happen, like the watch, you know, it's like, oh, okay, so they're like, you know, they're uh, they're there, and like, there's two monsters like climbing over them. Like, what's something that could happen right here that would really like, you know, freak everything out? It's like, well, what if somebody had a watch that went off? Okay, great. Well, let's write in a scene earlier explaining that she has this watch, so we're thinking about it. Um, yeah, it really does feel like a lot of the early scenes they. Somebody went back in the, you know, Neil Marshall went back in the second or third draft and was like, okay, well, we have to allude to this earlier, otherwise it won't make any sense or it'll right. be coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Which I guess so. is fine. I mean, for a horror movie, you know, for me, I would have liked to be a little bit more attached to the characters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in general, I mean, it does what it does. It, yeah. I mean, like, I really would have liked to have felt more for any of them so that the, the deaths meant more to me. You know, yeah, there's, yeah. um, you know, you've got Sarah, the woman with the great tragic loss, who's kind of, you know, a, a little gun shy, so to speak, of just connecting with people again and going out and doing adventurous things again. And there's Juno, who's like the tough, bossy one, who's, you know, let's go, let's adventure, la-da. There's Holly, the sort of obnoxious punky kid with the video camera uh there's beth who's sarah's best friend and that's her one character trait is that she's sarah's best friend (laughs) she was there right (laughs) right she was there for her and then there's becca and sam the you know the two sisters so there's the younger ones the doctory one and the older one is the one who wants to do stuff by the book except the book's not there because they're in the wrong cave so Right. You know, and it was interesting casting that they both had accents, but it turns out that the um, the actress playing Becca is Dutch and the actress playing Sam is Swedish. 
So the casting directors must have been like, eh, Swedish, Dutch, same difference, Nobody, whatever. Nobody's going to know the difference. <laughs> Nordic blonde, no one will care. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, and a couple final pieces on this movie. Uh, the same year, a much larger American studio was making a movie called The Cave. Yeah. And The Cave was made for a budget of $30 million, and it grossed 33.3. It was not a success. Whereas this film, which ended up being fast-tracked to release earlier than The Cave, out of fear of The Cave, was made for 3.5 million pounds and grossed 57. So um, it did <laughs> it did much better. But also yeah. was not without its marketing hiccups because when they were promoting this around London around the time of the movie's release, uh, they had a poster that was Sarah screaming like in a tunnel. And it kind of looks like a subway tunnel a little bit. And this was right around the London Underground bombings. Mm-hmm. And, that, and the site of the bombing actually had these posters up so there's photos of the devastation with like the descent posters in the background which is just makes it way more eerie but um people were obviously you know they weren't they they weren't that mad at the descent uh they pivoted you know they they ended up releasing a bunch of new promotional materials that focused more on the women instead and less on like the setting um and the word terror because they were using the word terror in all of the marketing so um the descent are you glad you finally saw it, David? Um, yeah, I think I built it up in my head more than it actually was. This wasn't necessarily my sort of horror movie that I'll be returning back to, um, but I definitely like see the appeal of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Nicole, revisiting The Descent, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would still recommend, even though the characterization's a little light. Goodness knows there's plenty of horror movies that have even less, uh, to work with that are just, you know, fodder to get destroyed and torn up in horrible ways. Um, I had not remembered that, like, after around the halfway point, after Holly gets attacked, this movie is full tilt boogie all the way to the end. <laughs> there, it does not let up. After Full that, it's been boogie. dread, 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 and then it's suddenly run, 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 evil creatures chasing us. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so that was, it was kind of more exhilarating toward the end than I remembered, and I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, and it's beautifully shot. Absolutely beautifully shot. There's, su- there's such great composition in a lot of this that's just yeah. gorgeous to look at, and you go, oh, wow, look at that. That's amazing. You know, so I'm thinking particularly of this shot where Sarah's just fought. You know, she killed the kid monster. She killed the mom monster. The dad monster is coming to find her. And because they're blind, she just holds perfectly still. And she's in, like, the body room. So she just plays dead. And he literally puts a hand on her head mm-hmm. to rest there while he's looking, while he's, like, trying to listen around. And you see her, you know, with her eyes open, just staring straight ahead, waiting. And it's really eerie. Um, it's like, the, is that where she like completely breaks and loses any semblance of, you know, uh, <laughs> softness or humanity or humanity a little bit, yeah. Because <laughs> um, goodness knows that do it for me, so. <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, definitely definitely recommend. Uh I, it's a classic of its own sort now. It's it's a horror classic at this point. It's um uh, it's really solid. Uh would recommend, yeah. Absolutely. Uh I'm also going to say if you've not seen The Descent 2 and if you care, skip ahead a minute right now. I'm giving you that that <laughs> warning. Um Okay, it's been long enough where I haven't seen The Descent 2. I totally forgot that a key plot point is apparently that Juno survives and becomes their cave shaman because they go down there and she's like, I know these caves and I know where the exits are and like teaches them like where everything is in the caves and how the society works down there. And then it gives Sarah an opportunity to redeem herself with leaving Juno to die. Uh, that is terrible writing oh my god yeah that's bad that's bad that sounds like an american studio note (laughs) oh my gosh that sounds bad because keep in mind they go down with a cop because like there's a cop that's like hey i don't believe you i'm gonna go with you spelunking 
um, <laughs> even though you might have killed a bunch of people down there for all I know. And uh, yeah, so it's a whole thing. Maybe I got to watch The Descent too now. Maybe it's not good, but maybe it's what I need in my life right now. <laughs> all righty. Well, The Descent, thanks for watching it, guys. It was a lot of fun. This was Can We Just Talk About? And if you would like to talk to us about how you feel about this, please let us know because it is a theme that we're going to be workshopping for the future. But a reminder, it's Movie Ghoul Round happening right now. Next week, we are going to continue Movie Ghoul Round, and we're going to announce that movie in a moment. But quickly, around the horn, David, where can people find you online? Davluz, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. Very good. And what about you, Nicole? Nicole underscore Davis on Letterboxd. Very good. You can email the show, hi, hi, at mgrpodcast.com. But follow along with Movie Ghoul Around next week. We are going to be watching a future classics pick from Nicole. Nicole, what are we watching? We will be watching It Follows. Ooh. It Follows with special guest. I think I can say that. And I can always edit it out if they don't show up. But I think they will. So uh, <laughs> we will have a guest next week as well. So be sure to tune in for It Follows for future classics. But that will do it for us. We will see you then. I didn't bring it. What? No point. For Christ's sake, Juno. I knew it. I knew this wasn't right. You filed a flight plan to Mountain Rescue. If we don't report in, they'll come looking for us. Now, that's how it's supposed to work, except I put in a flight plan for Borum Caverns, and this isn't Borum Caverns, is it, Juno? We're in the wrong f***ing cave.